Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to a special Lost Without Moments bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our bi-weekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first time or to make your next adventure to Japan an even better one than your last visit. Today's special interview episode offers you the first legitimate returning guest with Peter from Snow Monkey Resorts in Nagano, Japan. After our last interview, we both realized that we wanted to add on to that interview and include some information that really says Nagano, skiing and snowboarding in Japan. And for those of you, uh, we we are going to focus in on Nagano today, but we are going to branch out into Japan as well. Luckily, uh, Peter's last experience skiing uh, and snowboarding wasn't like mine, where I ended up in the hospital for a while and on crutches. So we're going with somebody that knows what they're doing and also just what Snow Monkey Resorts Japan can offer you when you're looking to experience these things. So we want to make your next trip to winter, you know, in winter to Japan as amazing as possible. This is your Kanko Gaido for TKIC Studio Productions coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return to travel for listeners of our show in 2022 and now for himself and his son in summer 2023. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or in the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we could all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for today and returning. For today's show, let me introduce a special guest from the website snowmonkeyresort.com, Peter. I must say, I am truly thankful for you setting up a second time to join me again today for this interview, Peter. Yeah, good morning. So it's great to be back, uh, Mike. So straight off the bat, let me just apologize for my voice. As I explained, I'm suffering through a bit of a cold at the moment. Uh, so I apologize if, if I'm a bit uh, rough to listen to. And it, you know, it just makes it sound like, you know, we have your uh, brother on Peter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, you know, it's like the not as handsome uh, Peter, you know, the second one. But you that's know. right. That's, well, better, better me than him, because uh, yeah, he really doesn't know much about skiing and snowboarding. So <laughs> go, go with me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, Peter. And I, I'm going to say the same thing, my friends. I am still in a drought from uh, COVID. And everything mm. that normally is affecting me, Peter, is affecting me worse than normal. I went to the doctor's office and they said that all my allergies and everything um, are going to hit worse than they normally do. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, well, as, yeah. So we, uh, fortunately, I haven't um, suffered through COVID and I hope you feel better soon. But for me, as I mentioned on the last podcast, we have a very energetic one-year-old boy and his favorite game at the moment He's prizing my mouth open and sticking his grotty hands in <laughs> and, um, and to try to extract my tongue. And uh, the cold that he's had in the last week is now my cold. 
So, um, yeah, I, I'm struggling through, but we'll, we'll make it. Oh, that's good. That's good. And it, it, it is. It's amazing how, you know, they can help you with your immune system. Uh, they're really good at that. They really are. Oh, yeah, it's 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 really is. It's a second job. It's a full time job. But um, yeah, no, but it's, thank you. Thank you, Peter. You're, you sound great on my end. And I'm sure um, ah, with the information you. that we're we're going to be bringing to the audience today that they're going to bear through both of us, because I really feel that you have something amazing to share. And I'm going to have you um, briefly kind of uh, introduce some things. And those of you that are listening to, to Peter for the first time um, and may have list, missed the last interview where we talked more about Snow Monkey Tours and himself, I'd really recommend you go back and listen to it after this one, before this one. Make it a two-part special if your drive is long enough. Um, but where can listeners go to take advantage of your services and to answer any questions they may have? Uh, when they look to book their next trips. Yeah, sure. So uh, the best place to contact us is directly through our website, our company name, snowmonkeyresorts.com. We're based in Nagano, uh, Japan. So Nagano is the large prefecture to the northwest of Tokyo. Quite easy to get here, uh, thanks to the Shinkansen, the bullet train network. Uh, we'll get you to Nagano Station in, in, in around 80 to 80 minutes to two hours, depending on which service you choose. So Nagano really is an all-year-round destination, as we discussed uh, last time, but most famously, uh, it's known for its winters. Uh, Nagano hosted the 1998 Winter Olympics. It's home to the uh, largest number of ski resorts in Japan. And of course, as our, as our company name suggests, the famous snow monkeys, uh, the very famous uh, hot spring bathing, hot spring loving monkeys are here in Nagano. And that's how our business began. And then in the years that we've been operating, we've branched out into many different areas, including ski packages to the uh, best resorts in Nagano. So snowmonkeyresorts.com is the best place to find us. Uh, there you'll find everything that we do, including, including travel packages, ski packages, tours, private charters, accommodation, uh, everything you can really need uh, to book and uh, to plan and book your trip, not just to Nagano, but to all of central Japan and, and the wider uh, travel in Japan. And as I said last time, um, again, if this is your first time going through, don't want to leave you out. Please check out the website now. Press pause. It's amazing and has way more than just Nagano and is a huge resource for anyone looking to visit Japan. So truly uh, take a moment, come back to us and uh, check that out and listen along as we're going going through um, because it's really worthwhile. And Peter, I know uh, you have... um, your role and things like that that's here. But is there anything else that you might want to add on about yourself or uh, skiing before we get into our Japan skiing and snowboarding, you know, passions and such? Is there anything else that you might want to add about yourself that we didn't cover last time? Yeah, sure. I think we covered quite a lot last uh, last time. So as I explained, I'm originally from Melbourne, Australia. I've been in Japan now for around, uh, I I kind of lose track these days, especially with COVID, those Two and, a, two and a half years of COVID, just a blank, blank space. But I think I've been in Japan now seven years. Originally, I lived in Niigata, which is uh, to, to the north of Nagano and also home to many very good ski resorts. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, so I was there for around a year and a half before I left Japan and then came back with my wife, who is Japanese, and we moved to Nagano. We've been here ever since. Um, for me, you know, Japan is just a fantastic country to live and to visit. I think if you if you are thinking of coming here for the first time, you shouldn't have any hesitation. 
Uh, Japan is just, you know, it's a, a beautiful country. I think there's a lot here that will take you by surprise. Japan, of course, is very famous for the cultural aspects uh, of everything that's here, the temples, the geisha, uh, the food, everything like that. But one thing that you'll discover when you come here, and the thing it's the thing that I fell in love with, is once you get outside the major cities, Japan is a really beautiful country. It's a very mountainous country. It's very easy to access those mountains. And so I think we're going to cover a lot of that uh, today with the ski resorts. But really, you know, it's the reason that I, we chose to stay here. Uh, and what I would say is if you are planning your trip to Japan, especially if it is your first time, make sure you leave enough time to get outside the cities. Big cities like Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, of course, they have to be included. They are fa- they're really, you know, tremendous destinations. But also make sure you leave enough time to get out because if you don't, I think uh, you'll regret that you didn't come out to this area and the many other kind of areas like this. And Peter, it's it's good advice. And, uh, you know, my son and I, unfortunately, we had to cancel our trip uh, to Japan because I had us booked. We were actually supposed to be in Hiroshima right now, uh, you know, waking up uh, after visiting my friends for a few days and getting ready to kind of head towards Osaka. Um, but I really, you know, took what you said to heart with that. And just even with my uh, numerous trips that I've done, you know, I if it, you know at all possible it's definitely something to do and when we're going back now it's kind of like thinking of where we want to go and we're going to probably wait to you know like book a little bit but we want to my son again i can only travel during the summer uh since i teach i wish more than anything i could be out to you in november and december um you know january you know anything that's in that way for for sure but we're going to be looking at baseball, uh, and so we're going to probably wait a little bit for booking our places just to see where else we have. But one thing I'm most excited about is that going to some of these parks or cities that I haven't been in, and really um, my most memorable experiences that I've had in Japan have always been when I've stepped out of like you know those main areas that are there. So mm. please listen to Peter. It is great recommendation, and uh, you know Nagano and others are a great uh, stop for that. So, Peter, um, when we were talking, like your Japan uh, skiing and snowboarding passions, I know it didn't mm. just happen when you like stepped off the plane into Japan. Where did you first begin skiing or snowboarding? Uh, much better than I. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> to begin with, um, not much better. So I, I first <laughs> began, I first skied in Australia. So I guess for listeners who aren't from Australia and maybe haven't been, it might surprise you to hear that Australia too has snow and, and ski resorts. Uh, so I'm originally from Melbourne and between Melbourne and Sydney is the uh, Australia, majority of Australia's tallest mountains. Australia doesn't have particularly very tall mountains but we do have um, ski resorts in that area. And when I was young, I was taken up there with family and friends to ski. I was terrible, embarrassingly bad. Uh, So I really didn't enjoy the experience. I skied a couple of times because I was forced to and then committed to never do it again. Uh, So really, you know, I think our first experience, Mike, isn't that different from what you were saying. You know, yours didn't end too well, or at least the last time. Mine didn't start too well, but before I had that accident, I walked away and said never again. And that was the end of the story, really. It wasn't until I moved to Niigata, which is around, I, when I moved there, it was around 10 years ago. And a, a friend asked, do you want to come snowboarding? Because in winter, in that area, it's extremely heavy snow and there's not much else to do. And I initially knocked him back. I said, no, I'm not interested. I really didn't like skiing. 
Uh, he gave me some very good advice, which is that, you know, skiing and snowboarding are two very different things. Uh, the way, you know, the, the way that you do it, uh, um, you know, some people like one or the other quite often. So if you don't like one, give the other a go and you might enjoy it. And that held true for me. As soon as I tried snowboarding, it just made sense. I was up and going pretty fast. I fell in love with it straight away and I've been doing it ever since. So, yeah, as I'd say, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a hesitant skier or snowboarder or you tried one and didn't really like it, you know, don't give up. Uh, you might want to try the other and you might be surprised just you know, how one feels more natural than the other. And that's how I began. So that's around 10 years ago. And ever since I've been uh, snowboarding pretty regularly. That's outstanding. I said, and definitely great uh, advice for for all of us, you know, Olympic hopefuls. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So uh, do, do you really feel that there is a difference between um, snow in Japan and elsewhere in the world? Because, you know, I've talked to my friends or talked to people when I'm over there. They definitely feel that there is. But how about you? Do you feel that there's a difference in snow in Japan? Yeah, specifically with the snow I do. So as I said, my background in Australia, certainly uh, the snow quality in Japan is far better than Australia. I've never uh, snowboarded in North America, but I have snowboarded in Europe. And so I think my experience there and, and from talking to uh, European guests, and, you know, I guess in North America, the snow quality in Japan is the first thing you'll notice. And I'm sure we'll keep coming back to this through today's interview. Uh, Japan is subject to extremely heavy snowfall, some of the heaviest in the world. And due to the weather patterns, <laughs> That snow uh, is very dry, so it's very high-quality powder. So this is the first thing. You're really going to hear this again and again and again. Uh, another thing to mention is that Japan's snow is typically pretty reliable. It has to be said less reliable now with you know the changes to climate around the world, but it is still pretty reliable. So when you book your trip, and we'll talk about the best times to come, you can be pretty confident you're going to get really high-quality snow and lots of it. So that's the first thing, and I th I'm sure we'll go into you know, exactly why Japan is so attractive as a ski and snowboard destination, even if you are from Europe and North America where you're spoiled for choice for, you know, world-class resorts. You know, I'm sure we'll go into all the reasons you might want to come. But the first and the motivating factor will be the snow quality. Yeah, talking to friends and guests who have got a lot more experience of skiing and snowboarding in Europe and North America, it's what they all say. The snow quality is just much, much better. Outstanding. And then for you, um, what is unique uh, about skiing mm. and snowboarding in japan versus like you said europe or australia or just elsewhere on the world yeah okay so again gotta, gotta, gotta start again with the quality of the snow uh in our area in nagano uh some resorts uh have up to 18 meters a season which is you know you think about that 18 meters so for our, our u.s listeners what is that that's around um me <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot we can it's just a lot. it's yeah. a lot <laughs> times it by times it by three um so yeah a significant amount so huge amounts of snow is the first thing but then after that it's just the resorts themselves the resorts are really friendly nice atmospheres you always get a really warm welcome there especially if you venture from uh, away from the more popular resorts to the more local resorts you're going to get a really warm welcome people are really interested in you why you're there they'll come and talk to you it's just a really friendly uh, reception. Uh, and then it's all the other trimmings that come with it. Uh, the food, uh, obviously, Japanese food is a big draw card for many people. It tastes even better in winter. That, that bowl of ramen, the yakitori, <laughs> the beers are going to taste even better in the cold of winter and after you've been skiing and snowboarding all day. 
uh, it's the uh, the also the cultural aspects is the the traditional architecture in the snow, the temples, the shrines, really beautiful. And for me, the thing, something which I talked about last time, is the hot springs, the onsen. So if you can find a ski resort with hot springs, and lots of them have them, uh, you 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 discover pretty quickly why people fall in love with skiing and snowboarding here. Nothing feels better at the end of the day of a long day of skiing or snowboarding, especially if you're learning and you've taken a few falls during the day. Put yourself in that onsen. Good luck trying to get yourself back out. It just feels fantastic. And pretty quickly, I think you're going to fall in love with, um, with skiing and snowboarding here. It's, it's just very, very seductive. Well, I think you're, you're slowly talking me back into <laughs> trying to give another, another try because my, my, my incident was with uh, super icy conditions and that the, mm. like fresh powder or anything like that would make a huge difference. And for those that are interested in that conversion, that would be around 59 or 60 feet of snow. So that's quite a bit of um, mm. snow for that time. So for, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So um, with uh, Japan, like when is uh, the ski season? Like when would you typically look to book um, if you're looking to take advantage of that? Okay, yeah. So this is, um, a really, I guess, a really important question. And we'll go into a bit more detail, I guess, about exactly which areas when their season is. But in general, the season runs from around mid-November until late April or even as late as May in some areas. It's really important to stress that in some areas. So uh, to the very north of Japan, the large island uh, above Japan's main island of Honshu, Hokkaido, which a lot of listeners might have heard of, uh, Hokkaido given its location to the north, has the longest season. Uh, so you, Hokkaido, a lot of the ski resorts will open from late November and be open well into April and in a good year, maybe even into May. Uh, in our region, Nagano, we're more to the south. Our Some ski resorts, uh, some areas of some ski resorts will open in November and will stay open into April and again, even as late as May. But reliably, talking about when you can reliably book for our region, you're really talking mid-December to mid-March. And then if you pick and choose the right ski resort, you can book a little bit earlier or a little bit later. Uh, the peak time for people to come here, especially for international visitors, is, of course, the Christmas New Year period. Uh, the, um, the resorts are very busy at that time. But what I would say is if you want to you know, book your trip with confidence and the snow will be good at that time, aim for, aim for January and February. I think that's the most reliable time. That's when the snow should be at its heaviest. But yeah, it really depends on which area, which ski resort. That's that's good advice, and you know something I'm sure we'll kind of delve a little bit deeper into as well. Um, for you, for you, with all of this that we're kind of bringing up, what are like what's your opinion at least? What is the better location for skiing and snowboarding in Japan? Would it be Hokkaido or Nagano? Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to uh, confuse the answer to that question by introducing some other areas as well. Uh, let me start by saying Japan. Some readers, uh, some listeners might read that Japan has a huge number of ski resorts. Actually, it's it's on uh, some pages of my website. It talks about that officially Japan has, has over 500 ski resorts. Really important to recognise though that most of those ski resorts are really small. It might literally be just one ski field with one or two chairlifts. So when we're talking about ski resorts that will be of interest to international visitors, in my mind, you're really talking about 30, 40, maximum 50 different resorts. And they're spread across uh, many, many prefectures in Japan, but there are four main prefectures. Uh, our home region, which is Nagano, 
to the northwest of Tokyo. Uh, you then have Niigata, which is uh, borders Nagano. Uh, so it's just, again to the north of Tokyo. And then to the northeast of Tokyo, you have, a, you have a very large region called Tohoku, which takes in six different prefectures. You have more resorts up there. And then Hokkaido to the very north. And so Nagano and Hokkaido are kind of seen as in competition to each other, as the two, you know, which one is the premier destination. So it really depends on what you're after. So in terms of Hokkaido, as I mentioned, Hokkaido has the longest season because it's uh, further to the north from late November through to April or even into May. Uh, it gets heavier snow uh, than Nagano. And lots of people are going to tell you it's the best um, skiing and snowboarding in Japan. And a lot of people will tell you it's the best snow in the world. Uh, the, you're also up there, you have five main resorts. Uh, Niseko, which is the most popular. Uh, it's the most international of any Japanese ski resort. You're going to find the most, the most high-end accommodation and the most services and facilities set up for Westerners and foreigners. Uh, you then have other popular resorts, including Rusutsu, Kiroro, Furuno, and Tomomu. Uh, the thing with uh, Hokkaido is it's a long way from the rest of Japan. So if you're looking to combine your ski trip with access to places like Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, it's not very convenient because you're probably going to have to fly, take a separate flight to go up there. Our area, Nagano, as I mentioned earlier, is only 80 minutes to two hours by train from Tokyo. And here you have the most ski resorts of any area in Japan. Our season is slightly shorter, uh, running reliably, as I said, from mid-December mid into mid-March and into April. Uh, we have a little bit less snow, but still plenty of snow. Uh, we have higher mountains than um, uh, Hokkaido, so our mountains go up significantly higher. And very importantly, uh, we have more what they call bluebird days. So obviously more, more snow in Hokkaido results in more overcast snowy days, whereas here in Nagano, a little bit less snow, and we have notably better weather. You're more, much more likely to get those big blue, uh, bright blue skies in Nagano, and you've got very um, some of Japan's mo most popular and most famous resorts here, including Shigakogen, uh, which is the largest and highest ski resort in Japan, uh, the resorts of Hakuba Valley, the 10 resorts making up Hakuba, Nozawa Onsen, and many others. So those are the two that are really in competition with each other. And then in addition, as I mentioned, you have Niigata, which is borders Nagano. You have areas like Myokokogen, uh, Yuzawa, a very uh, fantastic resorts. And then in the Tohoku area, some other resorts, notably Zao Onsen, Apikogen, and some others. So those are the real main areas that I would distinguish. Um, a good way, if you're listening and you really, you know, it can be confusing as to all these resorts, where are they, which one should I choose? A page that I direct you to on our website uh, is the 30 best ski resorts in Japan. You can find that uh, through our website if you go to snowmonkeyresorts.com and then uh, uh, click on the ski banner, you'll find that page, 30 best resorts in uh, Japan, and it covers resorts in Nagano, Niigata, Tohoku, and Hokkaido. Excellent, Peter. And for those of you listening, um, that'll be in the show notes as well. Um, not only uh, Peter's, uh, the Snow Monkey, uh, you know, website, but also anything that he talks about for the articles and things like that, we're going to include there for you as well. So don't worry. Don't try to write while driving. Um, it'll be there for you. So we'll be good to go. And I had a question, though, um, Peter, when I was looking through at kind of like just largest ski resorts in Japan, um, I heard that uh, Niseko and Hakuba claim that they are the largest. Um Really <laughs> kind of hard to tell, like, which one is actually the biggest. Like, what's going yeah. on? 
Yeah, this is a good question. Glad you asked. Uh, so there, there are probably f- three resorts that you're going to read claiming to be the largest. Uh, firstly, Niseko, which, as I mentioned, is the kind of premier resort in Hokkaido. Hakuba, uh, which is the you know, most international resorts in Nagano. And then the less known of the three, Shigakogen, which is also in Nagano. It's actually very close to the Monkey Park. It's only 30 minutes drive from the Snow Monkey Park. Interestingly, of those three, Shikakogen is actually the largest Japan, uh, ski resort in Japan. Now, the reason for the confusion uh, is because, as I mentioned, uh, those three resorts and actually a couple of others will advertise themselves as the largest. Now, the, how you define uh, the size of your resort is completely subjective, and that's where the confusion comes in. <laughs> so they, they use creative kind of calculations to say that they are the largest. But let's look at it very simply. For most skiers and snowboarders, what you want to know, I guess, is which areas have the most connected ski runs. So areas that you don't need to get onto a bus or to drive between, that you can ski, literally ski and snowboard between by using the you know, lift and uh, gondola infrastructure. So that's the easiest way to calculate it. And when you consider it that way, it's Shigakogen. So Shigakogen is made up of 18 different ski areas. As I mentioned, it's not just the largest ski resort in Japan, it's also the highest. It has the highest chairlifts of any ski resort in Japan, and it has the longest ski season of any resort in Nagano from late November through to April and into May in a very good season. Although officially the season is from mid-December to mid-March. But Shigakogen, made up of 18 different ski areas, uh, has around 600 hectares of terrain. Now, of those 18 areas, all but three are connected, meaning you can ski or snowboard directly between them, giving you about 420, over 420 hectares of interconnected terrain. Let's compare that to Niseko. Niseko is also four combined uh, ski resorts, which are connected to each other, but Niseko only totals around 320 hectares of terrain. So it's notably smaller than Shiga. Uh, if you then look at Hakuba, uh, which is also in Nagano, Hakuba is made up of 10 different resorts. And their claim to being the largest in Japan is based on the fact that they total the total terrain of all 10 resorts, giving you over 1,000 hectares of terrain. However, uh, Hakuba, the, most of those resorts are not connected in Hakuba. And the largest connected extent of terrain in, in Hakuba is the largest resort called Hakuba Hapo One. And it's around 220 hectares of connected terrain. Uh, that's about half the size of Shiga. Hakuba is also a great destination because it's very easy to move between the resorts. But in terms of actually you know, a, to- a total extent of connected terrain, Shiga is notably larger than any other resort in Japan. That's like super interesting. And just get, kind of thinking myself too, like, do you have a preference between the two yourself and is one ski better for skiing or the other better for snowboarding? Does one offer better massages? Because if I get back <laughs> on the slopes, I'm going to need that. What, what do you think, Peter? Are we talking in relation to uh, Shiga and Hakuba or Niseko? Which, which, which resorts are you? I, I guess I'm like we could talk about all three if you don't mind. Um, oh, just, sure. just between those, because I'm like... Uh, Super interested in hearing about this. And I remember looking at your site, kind of pulling up the one that you're talking about now. But if you don't mind, uh, let's uh, delve into yeah. them. Yeah, sure, sure. Let me let me throw another resort in there as well. So Nozawa Onsen. Nozawa Onsen is another resort in Nagano. It's around 70 minutes I should drive from Nagano Station. I should mention, actually, in relation to uh, distance from Nagano Station, Nozawa Onsen is around 
60 to 70 minutes dry, depending on the weather. Shigakogan is also around 60 to 70 from Nagano Station, and Hakuba is slightly less. If you're going to, for example, Hakuba Hapo One, which is the most central resort, it's around 60 minutes from Nagano Station. So let's look at those three resorts and Niseko in Hokkaido. Uh, the reason I, I throw these resorts together is these are the ones that are best set up for international visitors. So Hakuba, Nozawa, and Niseko in particular, they are extremely popular with international visitors. These are the resorts that you're going to find the most services directed at English speakers, uh, hotels with English speaking staff, uh, the best range of accommodation from high end to mid range to budget, um, job opportunities if people are looking to come and work. And so it really depends on, on exactly what you're after. Now, uh, I guess if you're a beginner, what I'd say of those resorts, uh, I'd go for Nozawa Onsen, Niseko, or Shiga. They're going to give you the most varied terrain and it gives you a good chance to get, get your confidence up and then explore a little bit further by trying some harder ski runs and steeper ski runs, things like this. For intermediate and advanced skiers and snowboarders, you might like to look at things like Hakuba and Niseko. Um, I think these are going to give you a bit more of a challenge, especially if you're a skier or snowboarder who is interested in backcountry and that is getting off the official courses and going into the trees in the backcountry of the resort. Uh, the resorts of Hakaba and Niseko allow backcountry. Shiga and uh, Nozawa do not. It's officially banned. So these are things that you might want to consider. Uh, also, then, I guess you want to look at what, what do you want out, you know, off the mountain. Um, in terms of nightlife, a lot of people want to know which resort is best. So of those four, uh, Niseko is the most famous for its nightlife. Uh, it's got the biggest range of bars, restaurants. It even has Michelin-starred restaurants. Hakuba uh, and Nozawa probably come second with really developing uh, scenes at night. You won't have any trouble finding a place to have a drink, good restaurants and things like that. And Shiga is the quietest of those four. So if you're after nightlife, Shiga is not the one for you. Look at Nozawa, look at um, some of the resorts of Hakuba or yeah, Niseko in Hokkaido. Uh, the other thing, I guess, also, if you want those little trimmings like high-end services, uh, high-end accommodation, the massages, things like this. Yeah, again, Niseko is going to be a really good option for you. <clears throat> Hakuba, uh, Hapo-One, around that area. So as I said, Hakuba is 10 different resorts, but the largest and the most central is Hakuba, Hapo-One, and around that you have Hakuba Village. You've got the most high-end accommodation in Nagano around there and all those services. So if you're after that, yeah, I'd say uh, aim for Hakuba is another good choice. And... I don't know if it's just me, uh, but it seems like snowboarding is becoming more and more popular, um, way more so than uh, last when I uh, attempted, you know, by skiing <laughs> myself. Are one of these locations better for snowboarding if that's what somebody is looking for? Or do they all kind of offer something in that regard? Yeah, all the resorts I just mentioned are totally fine for uh, both skiers and snowboarders. It's a good, that's a really good question, Mike, because Actually, up until quite recently, Japan was a little bit slow right, in the uptake of snowboarding. And actually, until fairly recently, some resorts even still did not allow snowboarders. They only allowed skiers. I can't think of too many resorts. I don't think, I'm not aware of any resorts that are like that anymore. So you don't have any hesitation if you're a snowboarder to go to any resort. But in terms of good setups, I think for a snowboarder, you're really looking at the resorts with a better, better lift infrastructure. Uh, one that I would recommend in Nagano is Nozawa Onsen. So Nozawa probably overall is my favorite resort in Nagano. Uh, Nozawa's got that great combination. It has a great little traditional hot spring village at the base of the ski resort. 
And so from there, you know, it's easy access to the resort. It's got a really good lift infrastructure to get you around. And there's no need to push yourself between the ski runs. You know, if you're a snowboarder, as you know, as you would know, you know, if you've got a long flat area between uh, two ski runs, that's a bit of an annoyance to get yourself across sometimes. But the lift infrastructure in Nozawa is really well suited. Nozawa also claims, again, this is contentious, to have the longest ski run in Japan at 10 kilometers. Uh, and Nozawa, in addition, has more and more really good accommodation and great nightlife. So if you, you know, snowboarders, if you're looking to get that good combination of good terrain, the good, you know, good infrastructure and great, uh, really good uh, nightlife, I'd say Nozawa is a good one for you. Uh, any of the resorts of Hakobura are totally fine. And in, this, in Hokkaido, if you're looking up there, yeah, Niseko is going to suit you really well as well. No, no problems at all. And Peter, for just a, a kind of off here, um, when you were talking about the distances, like the 60 minutes mm. or, you know, different things uh, when in Nagano in particular, um, when you set up, uh, you know, something for somebody uh, in this regards, when they reach out to you to have help uh, to schedule, like, you know, to set this up so they have a wonderful skiing, snowboarding yeah. experience, just time in Nagano, um, what ends up happening in that regard to go from, you know, the train station uh, to some of these locations that happen to be, you know, uh, like an hour's distance or so uh, away from that, uh, where they're getting off? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it really depends on the ski resort and the budget of the uh, traveler. So most people who are going to be coming to Nagano are going to fly into one of the two Tokyo airports, either Narita or Haneda. Uh, worth mentioning that in winter, there are express, express buses running from the airports to the most popular resorts. So that's one option is just to get directly onto those buses and come. Uh, but we are a registered uh, charter operator, so we can come and pick you up from the airport if you wish and bring you directly to the ski resort and then package everything for you. Uh, noting that actually private charters from the airports to the resorts, just purely because of the distance of around, you know, if you're going to go directly from Narita to one of the ski resorts, you're looking around four hours, up to five hours, depending on the weather. Uh, those, those charters come at a cost. So what most people choose to do is get on the Shinkansen and come to Nagano Station from where we would pick them up and we drive them directly to uh, the ski resort and we can package everything for them. Accommodation, ski passes, if they need rental, a ski rental, snowboard rental, we can do all that for them. We can arrange restaurants, everything they need, or um, and, and including um, transport. Or if they want, we can just do accommodation. We can do the ski passes. We can do the rental. Or we could just do accommodation. It really depends on what the person's after. Uh, so I think it's a good question. I might t like you really have to, when picking a resort, really consider uh, the distance. Because as I mentioned, Nagato is quite easy to get to from Tokyo. If you're flying into Tokyo, Niigata, pretty easy, depending which one it is. The resorts of Tohoku take you a bit longer. They're going to, as I said, Nagano and Niigata, um, they're going to take you around 80, 80 minutes to uh, just under two hours to get to Nagano Station, and then it's another 60 to 70 to most of the resorts. Uh, to, Yuza, to Niigata, to get to Yuzawa takes around 80 to 90 minutes by Shinkansen, and then it depends and then the onward journey to whichever resort you want. To go up to Tohoku, though, those resorts are much more spaced out. So they can be, take you from between two to four hours to get to the resort, depending on uh, which one you want. Hokkaido is the big difference. Hokkaido is the separate island to the north. So if you're arriving in Tokyo, you're going to have to get on another flight to go up to uh, the airport in Sapporo from where the resorts are around two to three hours from the um from the airport so if you're considering hokkaido you might want to look at flights that fly directly into hokkaido if that's possible from where you're coming from 
uh, to save you that time. That's one big consideration is the distance. It's a great recommendation. And for those of you interested in um, the JR Pass or some of those regional uh, lanes, lines and things that we we talked about that in the last episode in depth. So I'm going to save that uh, for, Mm. you know, you to go back to listen to um, because that was wonderful and a great deal. But all of this talk about different things has begun to have that like million dollar question to me. Is skiing in Japan expensive and do they offer like a day pass, multi-day pass? Could you just go into that a little bit for us? Yeah, another great question. Uh, So the simple answer is no. Compared to the US, uh, Europe or, for example, Australia, uh, day passes are extremely cheap. So it depends, again, on which resort you're going to. There is some variation. But you can expect to pay anywhere from around, I would say, budgets per day is around uh, five and a half thousand to six thousand yen. So that I think that converts to around forty to forty-five US dollars. So for my understanding, from talking to American friends, that's notably cheaper than the resorts in the US. It's certainly a lot cheaper yes. than Australia. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But it really varies. So some resorts will be as cheap as around four thousand yen, uh, or maybe even cheaper, so around forty US. The real outlier is uh, Niseko. So as I mentioned, Niseko is the most popular resort in Hokkaido, and that popularity comes at a cost. They charge over 8,000 yen for a, um, a day pass, which I believe is around, only, still around 60 US dollars, which is not bad you know, compared to, again, the US or Europe. It's pretty good. That's the more expensive one. So, yeah, you're really budgeting somewhere between uh, 40 to 50 US a day for a day pass. Of course, if you get a longer pass, one day, uh, sorry, two days, you know, five days, seven days, the price would become progressively cheaper uh, by day. And also for anyone who is traveling with the Epic Pass, which covers uh, ski resorts around uh, the world, uh, some Japanese resorts are covered. Off the top of my head, I can't quite remember all of them, but I think, I believe Niseko is, some of the Hakuba resorts are covered. So just check the details on their website. That's, there are resorts in, in, Nagano, uh, in Japan that you can use the Epic Pass. That's outstanding. And one thing um, that may keep me from getting out onto the slopes, uh, Peter, would be like an onsen or, you know, my accommodations <laughs> from where I'm at. So uh, could you tell me a little bit about the accommodations uh, specifically, mm-hmm. you know, in those areas? And if you could just give a kind of just a price range uh, that the listeners could uh, kind of take as they're listening today. Yeah, sure. So this one's a bit harder to answer, I guess, because the the prices for accommodation uh, uh, vary hugely depending on uh, which resort, uh, the time of year that you're booking, and the type of accommodation you want. So again, the first thing to mention is that if you're coming during the Christmas New Year period, expect to pay uh, quite high prices for accommodation. This is the most popular time for international visitors, also the most popular time or Japanese. A lot of Japanese companies will close down over that period. Japanese companies notoriously don't give their employees much time off work, but they do often shut down over the Christmas New Year period, allowing everybody to travel. So Christmas New Year, uh, prices will be high. Chinese New Year in February, um, a large part of the ski and snowboard market into Japan is now Chinese speaking. So Chinese New Year is another period where prices will be high. And basically, any weekend or public holiday through winter prices are going to be higher. So if you want to minimize your cost of accommodation, try to avoid those periods and aim for the weekdays. But in terms of the actual cost, um, I think you're going to be looking at somewhere 
for high-end accommodation, um, somewhere it's starting from at least 40 to 50,000 yen per night. So we're talking three to 370 US and up, but it can really go as, you know, as high as you want, uh, especially in the peak periods. You might be paying well over $1,000 a night for accommodation, but we're talking, we're not talking about that. We're talking about very nice hotels, luxury chalets with private onsets, things like this. For mid-range, um, probably budget somewhere from 20,000 yen to 40,000 yen a night, so 150 to 300 US, roughly speaking. Um, for budget lodges or you know uh, more simple guest houses, 10,000 to 20,000. So let's say 75 to 100 US. And then it can really get, um, you know, you can get very cheap options for, for really, you know, but for really budget options, you might go as low as 5,000 to 10,000, so 40 to 75. And that's where, you know, maybe dormitory, sharing, shared bathrooms, things like this. Uh, but it really does vary across the resorts. Um, one thing to mention with accommodation, when people look, they typically they're going to be looking through websites like booking.com, Agoda, things like this. A lot of the uh, hotels and accommodation in the ski resorts won't put their uh, won't list their availability to quite um, to quite late. One of the reasons they want to do that is that uh, a lot of the booking websites they charge quite large commissions, and that the hotel wants to avoid obviously paying that losing that commission if they can. And there's a lot of demand, so a lot of them won't list it directly on Booking.com or Agoda until you know quite soon before the date. So if you're looking now, and now is the time, if you're looking to be coming this winter, obviously it's a bit tricky at the moment because the border isn't yet open to tourism, but typically most people are booking their trips around now. And so if you're looking to come for this winter and you look at booking.com and a gold and different websites and everything is booked, in reality, a lot of those hotels are still available, but they're taking direct bookings. So you need to contact the whole hotel directly, or if you go through somebody like our company, Snowmonkey Resorts, we can arrange that for you because one of the challenges will be some of those hotels don't have English-speaking staff, so it can be a bit of a challenge to arrange that accommodation directly, and that's where we come in. We have partner hotels in the major resorts in Nagano, and we can be of assistance. Outstanding, Peter. And kind of factoring everything in, so we have ski passes, we could have rental accommodations, and more that I'm sure that I'm not thinking about at the moment, but if I was looking to budget for a trip and keeping that skiing or snowboarding in mind, what would you recommend to somebody? And I, I know, again, with everything you're kind of saying that this could definitely uh, range quite a bit, but what what would you end up uh, telling someone to budget for their trip? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for, as, as I mentioned, for the lift pass, it can really vary usually between four to 6,000, but let's just say the high end, let's say 6,000. So 45 US a day for a lift pass. That's a, it, will come, it will become a bit cheaper if you buy a multi-day pass. Uh, rental. Uh, rental really varies as well. So you obviously you can get everything you need here, ski, snowboard, uh, jack, you know, if you need the full set with the you know, pants, jackets, whatever. Uh, it's going to cost you somewhere between 5000 to 10000 as a guide, so forty to 75 depending on what you want, the quality of what you, of, of the uh, equipment that you want. Uh, so they, you know, that's, that's, again, let's go to the high end. So you're talking there at around 120 US for your, for your a full set rental and for the day pass per day. Um, and the, yeah, with accommodation, as I mentioned, yeah, that can really vary a lot. So I think let's leave accommodation aside for now. And so the, the other major cost is going to be food uh, and drink. Um, as, as anyone who's been to Japan knows, 
Japan doesn't have to be expensive. It certainly can be. If you want to eat at fine dining restaurants in the ski resorts, you're going to pay similar prices as to what you would in Tokyo for a meal or for a drink. But being a ski resort, there's restaurants catering to all budgets and all, all tastes. So I think you, know, you can eat cheaply. You can eat for a thousand yen. You can get a good meal. You know, you're going to get you're going to get a beer for you know four or five hundred yen. Uh, and if you're really on a budget, as I'm sure it's come up in the in uh, previous podcast, Mike, the convenience stores, all of the uh, ski resorts have convenience stores that you can live off. They're going to provide you with you know very you know, decent meals that are cheap. You can get everything you need there. But in terms of the actual skiing rental things like this, I'd say yeah, budget for around 120 to 150 US a day, and there won't be any surprises. That's a, that's that sounds great, and. For um, with all this is going on, and again, I know there's a bunch of ranges for here that's here, um, and we'll kind of talk about budget here coming up in a moment. But if you're talking to someone that considers themselves a high end traveler, mm-hmm. um, which resorts do you feel would have the best ac- accommodations and facilities? If you're gonna, let's say, this may be my one time to come out to um, Nagano or Japan to go skiing and snowboarding, and I really want to do it well, what would you recommend to somebody? Yeah, a really good question as well. So let me start by directing you to another page. On our website, we have a, a FAQ page uh, called uh, Ski Snowboard Japan FAQs, uh, which resort is best for you? It's a really good place to start because it, it, there's lots of questions and answers on that page, including which, which resort is best suited to, for high-end accommodation, which one is best suited for beginners, for intermediate, for advanced, which one is best for nightlife, things like this. And that, yeah, So this, this question is answered on that page, which one is best for high-end accommodation. Uh, in Nagano, you, I, I direct you towards Hakuba. So the area around Hakuba, Hapo-One, as I mentioned, uh, Hakuba is 10 different resorts, but in the Central Valley, you have Hakuba, Hapo-One, and about 10 minutes drive to the south, you have Hakuba 47, and Hakuba Goyu. Hakuba Goyu and Hakuba 47 are connected. In that area, that's the Central Valley, you've got a lot of high-end accommodation and increasing amount of uh, kind of high-end restaurants and other services. So really, if that's your interest in Nagano, I'd be going to Hakuba. You also might want to consider Nozawa Onsen. As I mentioned, Nozawa Onsen is around 70 minutes from Nagano Station. Uh, it's a historic hot spring town, so there's a really nice traditional ryokan, hot spring guest houses there. And an increasing number of high-end options, including self-contained high-end chalets, things like this. So if you're in Nagano and you're looking for high-end accommodation, I'd start by looking at Hakuba. I'd also look at Nozawa. Uh, if you're going to Hokkaido, yeah, start with Niseko. So Niseko uh, United is four different ski resorts, and uh, there's accommodation areas in both. But really, the main areas are around uh, what's called Niseko Grand Hirafu, uh, that's where you're going to find the most high-end accommodation, followed by Niseko Village. And then uh, there's some other high-end international hotels dotted around the resort. Uh, so if you're going to Hokkaido, yeah, start with Niseko, but also look at resorts like Tomamu and Rusutsu. These are listed on our website uh, on the 30 Best Resorts in Japan page. Uh, you're also going to find some very nice hotels there. Outstanding. And then... Um, the opposite end of that, if somebody was on a budget and is like maybe myself, uh, where you're kind of returning to Japan on like an every year, ba- like every other year basis, um, every three years, and you're just trying to explore and do as much as you can on your trip, maybe that high end is, um, you know, out of our budget as we're trying to hit everything that's there. What would you end up re- uh, recommending for for someone like that? 
Yeah, and I'm similar to you. I'm someone who, if I were traveling, I'd be looking to minimize costs uh, because it can become very expensive uh, very quickly. Uh, if you are traveling on a budget to Japan, first thing I'd say is don't let it stop you. I mean, I think Japan used to have a reputation as a very expensive country. I don't know whether Japan's getting cheaper or the rest of the world is getting more expensive, but I, I certainly don't feel like that traveling around Japan. I think Japan, you can do very on a budget without a problem. So the first thing I'd say is if you're going to come here to ski and snowboard, Avoid those peak periods, yeah, Christmas and New Year. Avoid, avoid them. That's when the prices will be at their highest. So really, from you're looking from around January tenth onwards, prices are probably going to drop notably because Japanese go back to work and a lot of international visitors are also heading back to um, their home countries. It, one thing worth uh, mentioning, Mike, is that uh, listeners in Europe and North America maybe aren't aware, but Actually, uh, the Australian market is huge in Japan. A lot of Australians come to Japan to ski and snowboard. So a lot of the resorts, especially Nagano and in Hokkaido, are very uh, you know, busy with Australians and Australian families through Christmas, New Year's, uh, Christmas, New Year. But they tend to go back to Australia by mid-January to start the new school year. So if you aim, for example, talking about Nagano here, if you aim to come from the second half of January into the period before Chinese New Year in February, you know, things are still busy, but they're not crazy anymore and prices will drop. If you then aim for the period after Chinese New Year, obviously Chinese New Year, the dates change a little bit uh, through uh, each year. But if you aim for the period from after Chinese New Year uh, into um, March, uh, again, prices should be reasonable. Or a really good option is if you look at resorts that stay open after, into March and into April, prices will notably drop. So Shikokogen, in Nagano is a great option because Shiga has this longer season because of its elevation. It's the highest resort in Japan. And they've got fantastic uh, spring skiing up there in March through to April when prices for you can get some very decent hotels up there at really good prices. So that's the first thing on a budget. Uh, avoid those peak periods. The other thing I'd say is if you're on a budget, and this goes for anyone actually, don't feel like you have to st stick to the main resorts. So the most popular resorts in Hakuba for international visitors are the big resorts in Hakuba. Nozawa Onsen and Shigakogen. Uh, in uh, Hokkaido, you're looking at yeah, Niseko, uh, Furano, Kirano, these resorts. Most people go to those. For the majority of other Japanese resorts, there's very few foreigners. So look at those smaller resorts. Uh, don't worry about things like, in terms of, if you're worried about there won't be much English there, as you know, you know, you've been to Japan, that's not a problem. That won't get in the way. Uh, it actually maybe even enhance the experience because when you go to those more local resorts, it really feels different. You really feel like you're skiing and snowboarding in a different place. So I'd say look at some of those resorts. I can, give, I can maybe give a few tips as to some of the smaller resorts to, to, look, uh, to uh, look at. And the final thing I'd say is in terms of transport, which can be expensive if you're looking to use the trains or, or if you want to direct transport, uh, then look at the express buses from the airports to the ski resorts. Or there are shared taxi services, which you, know, you can arrange, which they will come and pick you up in a jumbo taxi and you'll be sharing it with other people. They can be really economical ways to get to and from the resort. So there's lots of ways to save money. Yeah. So if you're on a budget, uh, it shouldn't be a reason not to come. Yeah, you can, you can certainly do uh, have a great time here without spending too much money. Excellent, Peter. And I know we've been kind of hitting upon these uh, in, you know, parts as we're going along but so i'm going to kind of ask her a couple of things and if you feel that we've answered them enough we're just going to keep on moving on but um if you specifically were looking to book either a ski resort or uh you know like something for snowboarding for 
you yourself going out and enjoying yourself, what accommodations or things would you be looking for for yourself um, having actually done the skiing and snowboarding in Japan? Yeah, another really good question. Uh, the first thing I'd say is if I was planning to come for the first time, <clears throat> maybe it's worth sitting down and just, just jotting down a list of maybe, you know, three, four, five things that are priorities for you, starting with, uh, you know, where you're flying in and out of. So most people are going to fly in and out of Tokyo. So therefore, if you're flying in and out of Tokyo, you really want to consider, do I want to go to Hokkaido? Because it's going to mean getting on a very long Shinkansen and then they need to get on another train to get to Sapporo and then buses to get to the ski resort. It's going to take you a long time. Or you're getting on another flight. So if you're going to Hokkaido, you know you want to consider where am I going to fly into? So that's the first thing. But if you're set to coming to Tokyo, I think you're really looking at Nagano Niigata or the Tohoku area. <clears throat> The next thing to consider then is what's your level? Uh, you, you know, are you an absolute newbie? Uh, or, you know, have you skied and snowboarded a few times? Are you intermediate? Are you advanced? What are you looking for in a ski resort? And kind of, you know, how much challenge? If you want to do backcountry, as I mentioned, if you want to do backcountry, a lot of Jap- Japanese tend to be very conservative with uh, their ski resorts. They don't build very far into the mountains, and a lot of them don't uh, don't allow backcountry because of the huge amounts of snow. It's very dangerous. Some of them to go out off of course. And it's very dangerous for them to send people to rescue you. So some uh, resorts actually totally ban uh, backcountry and enforce it quite strictly. But not all. There are also many resorts that allow it. So if you want things like backcountry, consider that because that's going to really narrow down your options. Uh, so, or you know, something like if you, do you want onsen? You know, uh, want to have the resorts with the best hot springs? You know, then you're looking at resorts like Nozawa Onsen or Shigakogen. These resorts. So I come up with a list of yeah, maybe three, four, five things that are priorities. And then that's really going to help you identify which resort. And then I kind of direct listeners again to our page on our website, which is the FAQ, uh, Japan Ski Snowboard FAQs, which resort is best for you. These are all the kind of questions that we ask and answer on those on that page to help people identify which is the best resort. And that's, uh, you know, the onsen is definitely every time I've gone back, uh, we talked about them as well <laughs> At our last interview, but every time I come back, I, they're becoming more important for me. So, you know, I'm hearing <laughs> yeah, a name absolutely. for myself, at least. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and really, Peter, um, this show and this podcast is all about getting off uh, the beaten path mm. and discovering parts of Japan that won't always show up on an Internet search. Do you have any hidden gems uh, when it comes to ski areas or resorts that you may recommend? Yeah, I've got plenty, um, but I guess to keep it simple, let me just uh, name three. Uh, so I start with a very beautiful little resort called Togakshi Ski Resort. Togakshi is uh, immediately outside of Nagano City. It's actually technically within the boundaries of Nagano City, although you, would, you wouldn't know it because it's, it's this alpine area, very beautiful forests and famous for lots of different reasons. It's, uh, but Togakshi is the nearest ski resort to Nagano Station. So in winter, uh, public or all year round, there are actually local buses that will run you directly to the ski resort in around 60 minutes, a bit slower because of the road conditions in winter. But Togakshi, it's a small resort, very compact, but really beautiful resort. The location gives on a clear day fantastic views of the mountains around. Really really beautiful, very local, very very few foreigners go there. It is predominantly a ski resort. Uh, So if you are a snowboarder, you stand out. Uh, it's a resort that I think until quite recently, actually, it was only for skiers, but that's no longer the case. Don't let, the, don't let that worry you if you are a, a snowboarder. 
uh, certainly there's no issue at all. And again, you get a warm welcome. Uh, but Togakshi is a really beautiful resort and there's lots of other things up there. So Togakshi is uh, home to some of the most important Shinto shrines in Japan. And uh, if you want to do snowshoeing and things like that, you can act- still access those shrines. They're out in the forest and they're very beautiful. You can walk to and from them in winter with snowshoes. Uh, they have a lot of what's called shukubo. Shukubo are traditional lodges or uh, ryokans uh, with associations with temples and shrines. There's a traditional shukubo up there, in addition to normal ski hotels and ski lodges, and lots of other, all those, all those trimmings I was talking about. So Togakshi is one, near, as I mentioned, nearest ski resort to Nagano Station, very few foreigners, and a really good experience. Really well suited to, um, especially if you are a beginner or uh, if you're looking just to experience the snow with your family. It's really beautiful. There's some nice, really gentle beginner courses. And, but there's also some really steep uh, advanced courses, uh, which they leave ungroomed and full of powder. If you go there on the weekdays, it's going to be very – it gets busy on the weekends with locals. But on the weekdays, very, very quiet. So Takakshi is the first. Uh, the second is a resort called Myoko Ike no Taira. So Myoko Kogen is part of Niigata, but it's actually most easily accessed via Nagano Station. So while it's part of Niigata, it's best to consider it part of Nagano because it's usually grouped together. There's five resorts that make up the Myoko Kogen um, uh, ski area, of, of which one is called Ike no Taira. Now, Ike no Taira is one of those really good uh, examples of a local resort that's in, you know, it's in need of a bit of investment. The infrastructure's uh, pretty old. The chairlifts are painfully slow, that needs to be said. But the reason I recommend it is, again, it's basically locals. Uh, so outside of the weekends, where they can be a little bit busier, on the weekdays, it can be literally empty. And you get, you know, Miyoko gets huge snow. So you get these uh, long ski runs, very long resort, just full of powder. The ski runs themselves are really gentle, really well suited to beginners. And it's that deep powder. So you're not going to hurt yourself. It's not if you, when you take those inevitable first tumbles, not going to hurt. You probably shouldn't break anything, I hope. Uh, <laughs> but if you are intermediate or advanced, the real beauty of um, Ikenotaira is it, it allows backcountry. And there's lots of areas to the side of the courses with trees. So you can literally come down the whole resort through the trees. It's a great place if, you still, if you're just getting your confidence up with backcountry or a side country, great place to do it. Great fun. So Ikino Taira, it's one of those places where very few foreigners venture out there. Accommodation's nice and cheap. Lots of hot springs there. Really local, really good experience. And the last one I recommend is probably of the, of the three, the least known. It's um, a bit of a long uh, long-winded name. It's Muikemachi Hakai-san. Muikemachi Hakai-san in uh, Niigata. So to get there, you need to go to Echigo Yazawa, which is around uh, 80 minutes by Shinkansen from um, uh, Tokyo. And then you need to either rent a car or use the shuttle bus for around 60 minutes out to uh, Muikemachi Hakai-san. Now, this resort is really suited to upper, intermediate, and advanced so Mukimachi Hakai-san is basically one long red and black. So red is intermediate, black is advanced ski run down this big mountain. A huge gondola takes about 80, carries about 100 people up to the top. And then it's all red and black all the way down and massive amounts of snow, which a lot of it is ungroomed. So if you're looking for deep, deep powder, that real Japanese experience, and you're intermediate to advanced, I wouldn't recommend it to beginners. I'd say Mukimachi Hakai-san, very few foreigners get there. Uh, every time I've been there, I've been there. You get into lots of conversations because people want to know, you know, why are you here? How did you discover it? You know, they're really, <laughs> really happy you're there. Uh, you know, you're going to get people offering to buy you beers and things like this. Speaking of, there's a fantastic beer brewery out there. 
at a uh, Nihonshu sake brewery. So yeah, that's another, but that's really one uh, best suited in, up to upper intermediate to advance. It's also one that doesn't allow backcountry because uh, it's, it's a little bit dangerous, but there's lots of fun uh, inside the resort in that tea powder. Excellent. And just as someone who is, uh, you know, skied and snowboarded uh, themselves uh, much sooner than the, uh, you know, 20 years ago when I last went, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are some hacks that you could give to somebody who's looking to go take advantage of this uh, on their trip to Japan? Yeah, sure. So the first one is, again, to consider timing. Uh, um, you know, try to avoid those peak periods of Christmas, New Year. Come a little bit later. I think the most reliable snow is likely to be January to February. It changes each year. Like, you know, the, the snow can come late, it can come early, it can, it can all come in the middle of the season. But January to February, you're in pretty, pretty good, um, you're pretty, you know, pretty reliable. Yeah, but uh, the good thing to come in that time of year is you're avoiding the peak period. The results will be a little bit quieter and prices a little bit lower. Uh, number one, second thing is to yeah, look at those smaller resorts. Don't feel like you, you have to go to Hakobo, you have to go to Shiga or Niseko. Uh, look around, and that's where our 30 best resorts page. You know, we try to that, that page, we try to really limit it to resorts that we think have some appeal, and it goes into the reason for each resort as to what we think appeals, but they have some appeal to foreigners. We're not just coming up with a list of, of um, random resorts. So look at the smaller resorts. Uh, the other thing I'd say is if you're carrying your gear with you, uh, if you're carrying your skis and your snowboard, obviously that stuff is a bit of a hassle to carry through Tokyo. Don't do that. Uh, take advantage of the uh, courier services at the airports. I'm sure this would have come up in previous episodes. Uh, lots of services. The most famous one is uh, Kuroneko or Black Cat or another service called Yamato. So when you arrive in Tokyo or wherever, whichever airport you're arriving, one of the first things you'll see when you come out into the arrival hall is it's going to be these courier services somewhere within eyesight. They will send everything ahead directly to your accommodation. It's extremely reliable. It's Japan, so it's totally safe. It's fast and it's not expensive. And so you don't need to carry all that stuff with you. So don't hesitate to bring your gear with you and to send it ahead. And the same thing, once you're done with your trip, get your accommodation to send it to the airport. It'll be there waiting for you. Outstanding, Peter. And that's huge, uh, huge. I was listening to the gentleman that, uh, are a part of Japan 2.0. They were talking about camping that they did recently and how how heavy and how you know many bad looks you can get <laughs> on a train uh, when when you're trying to move equipment uh, to and from. So that is definitely a great advice and just a hassle you don't need in your life. So oh yeah, take, take, I'm sure you may have had this experience. Like if you're arriving, especially if your flight is arriving in the evening. Or in the oh, morning, yes. and you, you're getting onto a, 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 a peak hour train in Tokyo, and you're carrying a snowboard or your skis. You're not going to win too many friends. Um, so your first introduction <laughs> to Japan may not be what you're expecting because those trains are packed. Don't even do it. Uh, I would even say, even if you actually, even if it's not just skis and snowboard, just send your luggage ahead. Just take a day pack, what you need for a night or two. Or, you know, go in, enjoy Tokyo. Send all your gear ahead. It'll be there waiting for you. Nothing to worry about. And as I said, it's not expensive. And we've even had sometimes, Peter, like where we found like a super inexpensive um, lodging uh, that we Mm. had had. And we've actually left our main things there and done that whole day pack deal uh, just to go somewhere so that you can avoid, you know, some of that headache that's here. Because no one will be offering to buy you a beer (laughs) uh, (laughs) at all if you do those things that are there. You know, and it's it's definitely um, not as bad or as uh, imposing as you may make it seem. And as I told yeah. you, Peter, you know, 
part of my, uh, you know, wanting to uh, get back to Japan is I'm trying to figure out how I can be there longer when it comes to summer. Mm. And I'm starting to think about like, okay, if I start picking up some jobs while I'm there, be it a guide or, you know, finding something that's here, I really feel like if somebody was looking to experience Japan for some sort of length of time, working a season in Japan at one of these ski resorts would be super interesting. Um, what advice could you give to someone that maybe thinks that, hey, I'm going to ski and enjoy the area and maybe um, you know cut down my cost or pay for part of that yeah. myself? Yeah, it's a, well, it's a great way to do it. And it might surprise some listeners that uh, lots of the seasonal jobs in the Japanese resorts are filled by foreigners, especially from Australia, uh, the United States, and again, uh, from Europe. So it's a little bit last two seasons, and this season's a bit of an unknown. It's because of COVID. So, but typically, you know, if you go to resorts like Nisek or like Hakuba, you, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that the person you're dealing with behind the bar in a restaurant at the ski rental place, they may well sound like me or sound like you. So there's plenty of jobs here, to, you know, once the border opens. Uh, in terms of finding them, that's the trick, isn't it? So, uh, yes. you know, companies like us, our website, the jobs area of our website, I don't think there's anything on there right now purely because we're waiting for the, you know, official announcement that the border is open. Keep an eye on the job uh, page on our website. We would list seasonal uh, jobs, not, not necessarily with us, but uh, with partner hotels, partner companies in the ski resorts looking for... Uh, employees um, you can or look at the uh, ski snowboard forums if you literally just google type into google you know japan ski snowboard forum uh, uh, some different forums will pop up and there'll be jobs listed there you could contact directly the larger hotels or you know, even, you know, even the smaller guest houses a lot of guest houses uh, are run by australians and americans in the ski resorts so, you know, if you look at a guest house and they've got a really good English language page, probably means that their owner is, you know, a foreigner. Uh, you could always just contact them directly and go like to, to do it that way. So there's lots of jobs. The so one thing I'd say, if you're going to apply, um, please, uh, please approach it with the, the right attitude because especially if you're going to work for a smaller business like a, you know, an independently run guest house or, or uh, some kind of tour business, they really rely on their seasonal workers. So if that person was to come and then a few weeks later decide it's not for them and then go home or just to pull out before they come, it really, it really inconveniences those businesses. They rely on those people. So come in with the right attitude. Um, they, they need the people, they need employees who are going to, you know, work hard and apply themselves. And then you know, there will be some work, and, uh, but, but it allows you to, to extend your season here uh, to do it on the cheap and you have a great time. So yeah, I, I really encourage people to to have a look. And Peter, like, is everyone that's going to look to do those jobs? Uh, do they all like speak fluent Japanese? I mean, is this something that you mm -hmm. need to be able to do that? Like, you know, what uh, what can you tell us about that? Depends on the job. So the sh short answer is no. Actually, most of the seasonal workers don't speak much Japanese, and some don't speak any. Uh, so lots of jobs here, you'll still be able to get them. I would say, look, if you're planning to do it, try to arm yourself with at least a bit of Japanese. Like, you know, I'll talk about the real basics because you still will be dealing um, with Japanese customers from time to time. And from their point of view, obviously, it's a bit affronting if they go into a business and they can't speak their own language in their own country. And they, they don't expect much. You know, as you would know, Japanese are very polite. 
But if you just show that you've made some attempt to learn the basics, I think it's going to go a long way. Of course, some jobs will require more fluent Japanese, uh, but they, they, they'd be very clear. I should also mention, Mike, that also if you are a ski instructor or snowboard instructor, there's lots of jobs here to do that because there's, a, there's big demand here for English, uh, Chinese, and other foreign language uh, ski lessons and uh, snowboard lessons. So that's something to look at. If you are qualified as a ski instructor or snowboard instructor in your country, Japan could be a good option. But yeah, uh, in terms of Japanese, yeah, you, short answer, you don't necessarily need it. But obviously, if you can just arm yourself with some basics, it really goes a long way. What I need, Peter, is for someone to pick up this, you know, traveling, I want to learn how to podcast while I'm in Japan. Um, <laughs> that's really where I, I feel like it'd be in my, my niche there. So uh, one, one thing I know that you uh, understand about me is that I love food. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite things about travel is trying to find something new uh, whenever I'm in Japan. And, and it be- kind of becomes that thing that I try to bring back in my backpack, if possible. But what are some of your uh, favorite foods or places you'd love to visit for a meal uh, when you are uh, snowboarding in Japan? Yeah, another great question. So this one I'd answer without giving a specific place. Uh, I'd say it's a type of food. So I'm the kind of snowboarder I found through long experience that if I stop and have lunch, that's the end of my day. Once I get a full stomach, I'm not going to go. So I, I, te- I, <laughs> I tend to snowboard until I'm done and then I go and have a meal and then I head home because obviously I just go back to where I live. Uh, so for me, usually it's hitting up that ramen place. I'm actually not the biggest ramen fan in the world. Um, I find in the summer, in the warmer months, it's all a bit, a bit too heavy for me. But in the winter, it's fantastic. So usually it's the ramen, the gyoza, and go from there. You're going to find it everywhere. Every ski resort in Japan is going to have great ramen, great gyoza. Uh, you won't be caught short. Um, a little place that I like uh, to name specifically, it's not food, but it's to get a drink. Uh, so Nozawa Onsen, as I mentioned, probably overall, is probably my favorite ski resort in Japan, uh, around 70 minute, 70 minutes from Nagano Station. Uh, Nozawa has a really fantastic uh, beer brewery uh, the official name is AGB, which is Anglo-Japan Brewing. It's a Japanese and a British guy who do it together. But the name of their bar is Libushi. It's in the center of the, kind of just off the main street and in the center of the village. Great place to go and do a, have a beer at the end of the day, maybe one or more. Um, so Libushi is certainly a specific place I'd recommend to have a drink uh, but in, ter- in Nozal. But in terms of food, yeah, I'd be hitting up those ramen places. And that's good. You know, if you're on a budget as well, that's not going to set you back very much at all. And I know, um, again, last episode, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've said that yet, Peter. Um, last episode, we talked about Nagano being a location that is year round and has things to offer. But this last resort that you're talking about with the onsen and things is sounding like you have a, you have beer, you have, uh, you know, all the different stuff here. Seems like something that you could go to year round. Is that the case or is it just only a winter uh, resort? No, you, absolutely. So uh, Nozawa Onsen actually didn't, you know, it, it's got a history stretching back more than a thousand years as a, a onsen town, a hot spring town. Uh, so one of the really interesting things with Nozawa is that it's, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember, is it nine or ten uh, free public onsen spread to the town? Anyone can walk in and use them free of charge. So that's wow. one of the big attractions. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so non, uh, Nozawa is an all-year-round um, destination. Uh, it's actually, for Japanese, it's actually just as popular in green season as it is in winter. And Nozawa has more and more high-end options opening all the time. Uh, it goes for Hakuba as well. Hakuba, obviously, the mountains are just as big 
in uh, in the summer as they are in winter. So the mountains in Hakaba go up to over three thousand meters. So what's that? It's getting around ten thousand feet. Uh, so in in green season, Hakaba is probably Japan's premier uh, hiking destination. Uh, you, you have all types of activities there. You've got you know um, rafting, canyoning, paragliding, hot air ballooning things like this. It basically goes for all the resorts. Uh, some resorts more than others. Shiga Kogan, as I mentioned, is the largest in Nagano. Uh, Shiga, though, is the whole part. It's, it sits within a national park. So Shiga is a bit more constricted as to what they can actually do up there. But Shiga uh, has some fantastic, again, hiking, uh, all types of activities. So all everything that I've mentioned today, they all uh, offer actually just as much in summer as they do in the winter. Outstanding, Peter. And like you've been in Japan for a little while now. Um, and like you said, uh, I, I would have thought, you know, there would have been something uh, beforehand that, you know, was already a, a bug for you. But you're like, you know, listening to you talk and uh, having uh, all this here is like definitely at least I'll make it to the onsen. Um, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. see from there. <laughs> we'll see from there. But, uh, you know, you've at least got me to where I'm like, you know, maybe maybe this is something that I'll I'll pick back up again. But. What still excites you the most about skiing and snowboarding in Japan? Yeah, it's a again really good question, and you know, usually officially I don't start thinking about snowboarding until around August each year. That's when I start to flirt with the idea: Do I want to buy something new? Do I want to get a new snowboard? And then you know, so kind of it's really good to do this podcast and get thinking about it a little bit earlier. Um, the things that get me excited is discovering the new resorts. As I mentioned, Japan has hundreds of resorts, uh, and I really, you know, I've been to the majority of the really large popular ones. So each year I make a point of getting out and discovering a new one. And so I think this is kind of good advice. Many of our guests on our, on our ski packages are return visitors. <laughs> they come here, they fall in love, and then they literally come every season or every second year, they come back to Japan. And each year, uh, one thing that we can help them do is find those new resorts. It's actually, I think, good advice for the winter that's coming. Hopefully the border is going to open before winter and everyone can start booking. But I think we can expect when it does open, whether it's this winter or next, that the most popular resorts like Hakaba, like Nozawa, like Niseko, these are going to be really busy as people have missed two or three seasons of skiing and snowboarding here. So it's a great time to look at those smaller resorts. And we can help you identify them. As I mentioned, that page I referenced, the 30 best ski resorts in Japan. Or if you wanted to contact us directly, we'll help you find them. And there's some great experiences out there away from the larger, most popular resorts. So that's really what gets me excited uh, is finding those new resorts. But it's everything that comes with it. You know, uh, I think I, I still find this so magical. So I, I just love the first, you know, the first proper snow of the season, you know, driving to the ski resorts, the first, you know, sketchy run of the season where you're a bit rusty. Uh, the first really big dump of powder each year, um, just the friendly chats, the smiles. So the, the resorts here, there's very little attitude. Uh, even they are the coolest looking guys and girls, Japanese guys and girls in their snowboard out gear. Like they're, they're friendly. There's very little attitude. Uh, you, you get a good response. You can get chatting to them. So I, I like everything about it. And yes, you're right. The hot springs is <laughs> the, <laughs> the thing that really you know seals it for me that, yeah, if I were to leave, ever leave Japan, I would really miss the winters and, and, and snowboarding. And Peter, we've covered so much today, and I feel like we could continue talking just about a variety of things uh, just in general. So who knows? So we have like a Peter part three, uh, you know, if, if it comes along here. But uh, 
is there anything else um, about your, uh, you know, snow monkey mm. or the skiing, snowboarding, anything else that we haven't covered to this point that you'd like to uh, share with the uh, listeners that we haven't discussed? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, firstly, yeah, thanks for the, thank you very much for uh, chatting again today. It's been great. So hopefully there's another opportunity in the future. Uh, in, in terms of uh, in, uh, our company, obviously, you know, we hope, I hope that this, uh, today's chat has given you some motivation to look at skiing and snowboarding in Japan. And I hope I've tempted you to maybe consider our region of Nagano. We also cover Niigata uh, or the, the central Japan. But it doesn't really matter where you choose. Whether you choose Nagano or Niigata or choose to go to the north, to Hokkaido, I think you're going to love it. Uh, so don't hesitate to book that trip. Even if, you know, even if you're listening from the United States or Europe and you're spoiled for choice, it's a really great experience. So go ahead and book. In terms of booking, uh, our company, snowmonkeyresorts.com, we operate all year round. Uh, we aren't just a winter operator. A lot of companies in these areas like Nagano and Hokkaido just cover the winter and then shut down over the green season. Uh, that's not us. Uh, we cover, all, uh, we operate all year, all year round uh, and providing ski, uh, pa- travel packages, tours and charters through winter, spring, summer and autumn. Uh, so you get a very fast response from us in terms of uh, when you, if you want to go and book your uh, ski and snowboard ho- holiday, but also I don't feel like it's limited to winter. Uh, we're also here all times of year to help you discover uh, everything that Nagano's got to offer. There's just so much here. And um, if you are looking to come for this winter, as I said, it's a bit tricky at the moment because the border is still not officially open, but it is the right time to be booking. If you look uh, at the hotels you're after and they're not, it says they're not available, it might be that they are available, but they just haven't listed it yet. So if you're looking to come for Christmas, New Year's, you really need to have booked by now. Uh, feel free to get in touch and we can see what's available. But if you're looking for January, February, and everything looks like it's booked out, as I mentioned, it may not necessarily be booked out. They just haven't listed it yet. So that's where we can come in and we can possibly help you find what you need. Outstanding, Peter. And again, um, I can't tell you enough if this is the the first time to listening to Peter. um, Really, Nagano offers something all year long. And I really can't say that enough. Um, You know, from Tokyo, super short uh, Shinkansen uh, trip. So definitely think about adding um, Nagano or a place like it on your next uh, trip to Japan. And before we get into our uh, outro, Peter, uh, where once again could listeners of Lost Without Japan uh, find and look to reach out to you to take advantages of the services that you offer? Yeah, so our website, snowmonkeyresorts.com, is by far the best place to look. Uh, As I said, you'll find a lot of information there about our region, central Japan, but all regions of Japan, including uh, Hokkaido and Tohoku, the two other areas we talked about today. Uh, Specifically for skiing and snowboarding, it should be, it's very easy to see when you go onto the homepage on the the banner menu at the top, you'll see ski. Just click on there. You're going to find everything you you need there in terms of latest news, our winter deals, uh, ski ski and snowboard packages, accommodation, yes, uh, snowboard, uh, resort recommendations, you know, pages helping you choose which resort is best for you. And of course, feel free to fire us a question. We'll get back to you as quickly as we can. Sounds good, Peter. Um, just truly um, appreciate it more than I can say uh, with everything uh, going on. Uh, and if they reach out to me, uh, someone who's doing a podcast and get a quick response, like as quick as I did, 
just imagine you looking to uh, book with them. Um, you're going to have a, an amazing and fabulous experience. So uh, definitely uh, cannot recommend it enough. And Peter, like I said, uh, you're, you know, at least the onsen, maybe a snowboard, uh, you know, in my future. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so, so we'll see. We'll see. But thank you again uh, just so much, Peter, for joining us today. You're welcome, Mike. Thank you. And for all of you that are listening right now, I'd like to uh, ask a bit of a request. Um, we are going to be celebrating our year episode coming up uh, at end of August or September. Uh, if you have something that was an experience that stood out in Japan, please send it to the show and it can be in verbal or written form. If you are just want to share, hey, Mike, this is what I'm most excited for. I've not been to Japan before, but this is my list of things that I found doing my own research. Or maybe you're like Peter and myself. You have those hidden gems that you don't mind sharing with the audience to make someone's next trip even better. Or who knows, uh, spawn an episode that you could be a part of. But really, I'm trying to get as many listeners as possible. Uh, any Thing that you want to share i'm happy to read for you if you don't want your audio out there on the interwebs yourself feel free to send an email to lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com and just think you could be lucky enough to have tom read your response um on behalf uh of lost without japan though and our entire crew i'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview, and we look forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we begin to discuss Japan, travel culture, and your lost without moments. To everyone out there, Oginki Day, stay well, my friends. <laughs>